Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reductopacephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriard Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you tonight by the one, the only, the deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I'm your host, Parasite Steve, aka Steve Ann Sampson. You're not allowed to call me All Hallows Steve anymore because it is officially november which is which is sad and uh and i'm sad but it's okay we we have a we have a not sad episode for you tonight uh even though both my cohorts are in another castle we do have an absolutely amazing guest that is light years cooler than some random little mushroom kid uh that's a mario joke not a matango one in case you're wondering tonight we have uh another installment of our occasional interview show little thing we like to call the bridge this week, locked down in the dank and the dark, we have a truly multifaceted media-spanning artist. Our guest this week is an author contributing to such collections as Impossible Monsters, Dark Kin, and the brand new Death Realm Spirits. She's also an editor, an actress, a celebrated country music singer-songwriter who was nominated for Best Female Artist of the Year back in 2015 at the Texas Regional Radio Music Awards, if Wikipedia is to be believed. And most recently, she's a comic book writer. In the bridge tonight, it's the incomparable Casey Lansdale. Welcome to the show, Casey. Wow, what an intro. Thanks. Dark down here. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. You know, I, I have to apologize. I know the place looks kind of a mess, but uh, all those spider webs and the blood stains, and those are just leftover decorations from Halloween. So you don't got to worry about those, okay? Okay, I was hoping. I wasn't sure because we have moved into turkey time, but I'm into it. The uh, the severed hands and feet are all real, though, so just better give those a wide berth. I should let go then. Uh, so yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you know, we just had a, a month of spooky, scary, monster-filled episodes, and here you are, like a burst of sunshine to to ring in November, and we really appreciate it. So let's, even though you, t- full disclosure. You're, you're feeling a little under the weather. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. So I, I went and got my, my shot yesterday, and I, I thought I would rally, and I have half rallied. I'm a half rallied. Yeah, I mean, that is more. That <laughs> but is I got more cool handmade, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, is it, like, how cool is it? Is it well, like a Hello Kitty cool Band-Aid? Enough, or? It's not cool enough to be on video, but it's cool enough to feel like I did something good. <laughs> so. that's, that's pretty awesome. Um. I just think it's so funny, and uh, I did mention this to you before we started, but we, we did actually have your brother Keith on uh, about a year ago, and uh, he was also sick for his episode. He was at the tail end of 
laryngitis. So I guess it's just a Lansdale family tradition. It's our thing. We he called me. He's like, "You going on the show?" And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, you better go get your shot and get sick." And I was like, "I can do make it. sure you're not healthy. Yeah. Don't be healthier than me." Right. He said, "I'm sure." Right. But you did give me an out. But because he powered through, I'm not going to let my brother outdo me. So here we go. We're doing here we it. Go. Power right. through. I'm excited. Let's, let's do it. You're a Lansdale. I mean, right. come on, we can Woo. do it. Um, All right. So your website describes you as a jack of all trades. And I can see why you have clearly uh, done a lot of different things in a lot of different genres, a lot of media, a lot of different uh, artisanal medias that you kind of have dipped into over the years, including music and and writing, obviously, and acting. And, you know, how, how, um, how do you decide what to do next when you're just good at everything. Like, well, what do you do? Generous of you to say, honestly, I just say yes. And so I do things that have never been on my radar to do. And when someone calls and says, do you want to try this? Do you think you can, you know, fill in the blank? I just say, sure, why not? Because life is short. And I have said yes to things that never occurred to me to do. And now they're things that I really love, like narrating audiobooks. Never a thing I thought I would do. I got a call said, oh, we need a Southern voice. And uh, it's, I know it's kind of last minute, but do you think you can you know, fill in the blank? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And now that's something I do because I love it. And I never would have thought it. Wow, that's so cool. So I didn't actually know that that you know, I, I, I did the research, but I didn't do the research well enough. Um, so I've actually recorded uh, audiobooks for myself. And it's a fascinating process. Um, what this is why our episodes become too long because I go I'm already off script <laughs> <Better> here. So <laughs> so tell me like what was the experience like for you? Obviously you're not recording yourself like I would be. Like you're probably in a fancy studio, right? I mean like what well, what what's it like you know, for you? You know, I mean I it's a it's a space that I'm comfortable with. I'm used to being mm-hmm. in a booth. I'm used to having someone, you know, behind the the wall of the room to say you know, give me a little more of this, or can you yeah. do that? And so it was actually a, a very comfortable place that I never would have thought. And it gave me another opportunity to use my voice. Yeah. Because music and, and singing is is very physically demanding. And, and you sort of forget how much until you get back out and do it. And you realize that like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of care that you have to take for your voice. So it's nice that when you're not yeah. playing gigs, that you're getting to sort of get a reward in another way because, you know, you, you yeah. I, I'm very careful about what I eat and um, you know, the way that I take care of myself with sleep and because you want to have peak vocal opportunity. And, but if you don't have a gig, then you're just going like, I sure wish I could have some spicy food and a coffee, you know? <laughs> so, and, and some people do, you know, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit more um, particular about it because I had some, I was, when I was on tour a couple of years ago, I had some vocal I'm going to say issues. And it was sort of the beginning of like, oh, if you don't take care of yourself in a different way vocally, that you might pay for it in the long run. So I just thought, let's err on the side of caution. But that gave me an opportunity to do things with my voice in a different way and also to do them at home if I need. So if I go into a studio, I do the audio and then it turns out I need a pickup. Well, I have a home studio. I hop in. I'm I'm pointing at it because it's right in this corner. Um, I I just hop in and I, I do the line and I send it in and it's, it's just such a fascinating thing that we can do. I mean, the fact that you even can do it from home, the fact that we're both doing an interview and I'm in my office and you're in the Northeast. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Right, right. 
yeah we're we're in opposite sides of the country uh right now so i mean it's 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 just such a bizarre thing it, it's actually freezing here the fact that i'm wearing a a, a t-shirt i'm just trying to look cool because I, I don't want you to think like i'm like i knew you'd, you'd be in sunshine so i'm like well oh, i have I can't, a sweater I can't... on I'm sweating <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're you you just you just had your shot, so you got to you know. Right, I've got just the chill. Uh, <laughs> Not in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, do you are are you able to drop a little uh, little hint as to the titles of the books you've worked on? Do you want to like so people can find them or? Uh, or gosh, you're not know, out I yet. Think. Um, I think the very first thing that I had published by a major was uh, Dark Duets, and that was with Titan Books. Impossible Monsters, which you mentioned, was the first book that I edited. That came out yeah. um, from Subterranean Press. The uh, oh gosh, you know, but I, you 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 narrated these? Oh oh, those no. The oh yeah, just narrated. Yeah. Oh, the narrated. We can get into all the other stuff. That was uh, actually when I moved out to LA, I stopped on the way and I was visiting with George Martin, and that was it. I I was visiting and I left, and then two days later, he said, you know. I need somebody who's got a voice like yours and we're doing this wild card series. I'm doing it for penguin and they need somebody in the booth in like two days. Do you think you could do it? And I was like, sure. So <laughs> I'd never done it, but George just asked me to do something like this. And I was like, say yeah. yes. And then it turns out what the, the little teeny tiny detail that he did not mention is there was also an Aboriginal accent in there. So in 48 hours, I worked my tail off to try to figure out how to do an aboriginal accent which is like adjacent to an australian accent but not so it it really made me have an appreciation i mean i i narrate audiobooks and that's mm -hmm. fine and i think i'm i'm fairly good at that but i am not a voice actor and voice actors are another level like hats off all the respect because to be able to embody it in that way i mean the first person I think of who is just absolutely unbelievably brilliant, of course, is Robin Williams. You know, the, the mm, fact that he can be all these different characters. But, you know, that that's a very different skill set. But that came about just because I guess I earwormed him and he heard the Southern twang and thought, oh, I, I guess we need somebody in that play. <laughs> so, so, okay, this is also fascinating. Um, so he wanted so first of all i have to i can't I know, blow past. you're like yeah. you're like oh george martin of course we're talking about game of thrones george rr Mar martin right. right of course yes so that's <laughs> that's just cool as hell you're like oh yeah um he's so, known my family for a long he's known my family since the 70s so, so cool so it's cool. really nice he's a very nice man so cool uh yeah big fan obviously of uh I've, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for book six. Come on, George. You know what? He's living his best life right now, and I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't take that away from him for a minute. <laughs> Fair enough. So he he hears your. You know, he knows you well, and he hears your southern twang, and he's like, "Okay, we need southern twang." But Aboriginal accent was was in there. So whether or not you're a voice actor, quote unquote, I mean, you are doing voices right as you're recording because you're doing accents. So that that's really interesting because I tried to do the same thing, but I would not call myself a voice actor either. And for <clears throat> one of the things that I did over the summer, um, it was uh, uh, South African. Ooh, yeah. And uh, that was a hard accent. that I didn't want, I don't know if I did a good job, uh, obviously, but you know, uh, 
I I looked up every video of a South African person talking that I could possibly find and um, really worked on it and like learned about the the vowels and like what what are the key things to like zone in on and like you know I I really 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 put a lot of work into it so it's 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 super fascinating to hear that you did the same thing so an aboriginal accent can you can you do a little little oh, right now I, I'm gonna be honest no it's been like eight years i don't remember oh it's been eight years oh there was God. a lot of always you know <laughs> oh geez is it was is there a, a like a key phrase you remember that can get you into it just like a no. there's usually like this i'll tell you i'll tell you the south african one right <laughs> all right okay here here it is it's the way you say the word right right so yeah <laughs> yeah it's like right so it's like you roll roll the soft R at the beginning and, and it's oi. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that would uh, that would be my key into it. But um no, no it's it's, it's super interesting. No, it's you, funny, you know, it, I never I, I bless the engineer who had the patience of of a, a monk because you know, we went through it and and I would love to do it now, now that I'm more you know, that was the first job I had in that world. And so now I've mm. done a lot more. I would love to go back now that I know sort of what I'm doing and, yeah. uh, and have an opportunity to do that. But I've also read for some of my father's works. Um, we talked a little bit about for he's an author and he has some characters that are very similar to me. If, if, uh, if life had been a little different, you know, so I, I feel connected with that. And those are the most fun because I feel like I already know those people. Mm. Very cool. Is there, and of course your dad is Joe R. Lansdale. Um, or a big fan of his on the show. Um, do do you have a book that you're like most proud of that um that, you know you would say like check this one out? I I really like that was the one for audio for your performance. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say Fender Lizards because it is it is such a that or Jane Goes North. I'm gonna say Fender Lizards because the character Dot is very much me. I and so many of the jokes and the little isms throughout the book are, are stories from my family, you know, from mm. our history. So I just felt like I was in the pocket because I already knew it all so well. Um, and it was, it was just a lot of fun to do. And the, the person I recorded it with, um, I believe her name was Cassandra. And it was such a pleasure to read and get to hear her laughing out loud from behind the, the other room. and you know, you just, it's a different way to, to deliver a craft. I mean, you know, it's just, you get yeah. to connect with people in a different capacity. It's really neat. So, um, so you've been doing this for eight years, just, just that other whole, whole aspect that all I other. so cool. The whole other Avenue, um, never say no. I love that. Like just say yes to everything. Um, cause you never know what you're going to find that you are, uh, that's a passion. That the best things that have happened to me are things I didn't expect. And I just said, sure, but why not? You know, let's try yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. That's great advice. I mean, that's a great way to, to just go about life. I think, um, why not? Yeah. Try everything. Right. Isn't that a Shakira song? I feel like that's a Shakira song. Yeah. If it's not, a, it should be, then we should get credit. <laughs> um, so as far as the writing goes, you mentioned some of your, your, books and we'll definitely get there. Um, I'm really excited to talk about your newest collection. Um, and if you would like, if your voice holds up and you're still uh, up for it at the end, it'd be great to do a little reading. If you wanted to read a little excerpt from your Death Realm Spirits story, that's totally up to you. 
I pulled it up. I'm at the ready. Sweet. Well, okay. So, um, so officially, just so you know, Keith did not do a reading. So, well, I mean, you're, I, I mean, don't want to say I'm the better Lansdale, but here we are. I mean, I mean, here we are. Look at so, him getting as laryngitis as far as writing goes uh you have been in the business for quite some time uh your short story the companion which was adapted in 2019 as a segment of creep show on shutter the current greg nicotero creep show show it's a creep show show yeah that's right uh Originally, it was published, that story was published in the 1995 Random House collection, Great Writers and Kids Write Spooky Stories, um, which was kind of a uh, collection where there were famous authors and their kids would collaborate on a, on a story together. Right. And you were eight years old. I was. Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's funny because writing has always been a part of my life as, as you can imagine growing up in that world. And I've always dabbled, but I always sort of channeled it towards songwriting. And I mean, I've written fiction throughout the years, but I, I would say that it didn't really click for me what I was doing until the last few years. And I think it was always that thing of, um, the pressure that you put upon yourself, you know, a lot uh, artist development has to happen. And I think that a lot of people expected one thing from me that I wasn't giving because of the familial connections. And I think I finally hit a place in the last maybe five or so years where I was like, I'm just doing my thing. And then during pandemic, I suddenly wasn't able to be a musician because there were no gigs. And I had to lean hard into something that I'd always like dabbled in and maybe I dabbled because it was safer. And then, and then suddenly I was like, well, um, if I want to keep paying the mortgage, I got to figure something out. And so I just leaned real hard into it. And it was, again, not something I had thought, not something I intended and turned out to be one of the best things I could have ever done. Cause we came out and now we're, we're back in the wild, so to speak. Yeah. And I love it. And I feel like it was during those last couple of years of just like, right, 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 right. That suddenly something in my brain clicked and I was like, oh, that's what it is. Hmm. You know? And so I feel like now I'm starting just now. Interesting. If that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> that, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think the uh, pandemic changed things for everybody and uh, it's interesting, you know, who we came out on the other end. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really, really interesting. You know, I mean, obviously some people probably found careers as voiceover actors uh, working <laughs> from home at the end of it, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, cause, so you you started writing, you were a little kid, had this uh, opportunity, 95, but it wasn't until 2020 that you're like, I, I think maybe I'm going to I'm gonna put more effort into this and do it more regularly. And actually, you know, I, I have been aware of you online just, just over the years for the last, but really it's been, I guess the last, few years and more recently i was thinking about how I, I keep seeing you promote stuff and um obviously the um you know that well actually before D death realm spirits i remember uh you posting about dark kin which was a um a collection that you and your dad put out and it had a really it was really the cover that stuck with me it's like a sort of androgynous mermaid but it's really really beautiful uh love i just love anything that's that color that um that like you know turquoise oh, caribbean yeah. blue um and that is just it's just a very beautiful cover i love it um Dirk burger 
What's that? Dirk Berger did that. Oh, so good. Well, you know, the thing about that is people don't realize there's stories in there that have that are from 10 and 15 years ago. Hmm. But because I just did a thing here or I did a thing there, I, I'm only just now with an accumulation of work because mm, right. that wasn't my focus. So it's kind of that overnight, like, oh, here they all are, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and and I think yeah. having the confidence to um, to sort of let myself have ownership of being a writer and a musician. I've always mm. just thought of myself as a musician and a singer who writes. And now I think of myself as pretty equal. And I think part of that is just feeling like, I'm understanding now what I'm doing. I think not feeling the pressure of every, you know, self-induced pressure, but self-induced pressure of having a, a dad who's known in that world and, and feeling like you have to come out with something perfect and, and kind of finishing nothing because um, you're worried it's not going to be what it is. Mm. It's supposed to be, you know, and, and it's like, well, we all have to churn out the crap to get to the good stuff. And I finally just accepted like, you know what? Some of this is going to suck and we're just going to move forward and, and power through. <clears throat> it was like, once I gave myself that permission, that's when it all clicked. And it was like, Oh, because I do have a similar voice to my dad and we have a similar kind of tone. And I always kind of thought that was a, a hindrance to me because I thought people would have too much of a comparison. And I think somewhere in the last few years, it's shifted enough where it's clear who's who. And uh, we did a project called Terror is Our Business about, God, I guess 10 years ago. And we've been writing stories in that universe together for the last decade. Wow. And then in the last two stories we did, I finally thought, you know what? I know who these characters are. I know them so well. I'm confident in who they are and how they interact with each other. And I don't know, And part of that maybe is just becoming an adult and just feeling like, what have we got to lose, you know? Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't know about terrorism, my business, but, um, that's really cool. It's always fun to, you know, return back to a world and, you know, as a reader and as a writer as well. And, uh, yeah, you just, you just sort of build on what's already there and it just becomes the whole becomes just better and better. Uh, Obviously, you know, King loves to do that with his Castle Rock stuff and various other things. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great it's a great thing. So so this dark kid, I guess I didn't realize how important that is that. So that you're saying that was your first big collection where you're like reeling everything in. That was um, 10, that was 10 to 15 years of work finally wow. getting in one place. That's really that's pretty special, actually. I mean, yeah. I think. It is. <laughs> yeah, I, it totally is. And I, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that um, every, every writer who writes short form stuff, I think gets to that point, right? Like, you know, if, if you, if you keep going, eventually you're going to get to that point and you're going to be like, okay, well, maybe it wasn't all worth collecting, but I'm going to, I'm going to go get the ones I really like and we're going to re-release re them in a collection. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's really, that's really great. Um, it's really funny and I don't want to keep bringing my own stuff up, but the thing I was recording this, this summer was that, like, I Thanks also, I just released, uh, my first, the same, the same exact thing, my first collection of my shorter stuff. So that is, uh, it's, it's really, it's really cool.
Um, That's awesome. I, 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 I really. The audience like, can't see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Take a moment, much. pour one out. <laughs> I thank you very much. You know what? It is. Um, it, it's a it's a huge accomplishment, and it yeah. it just sort of feels like, oh, not for nothing, right? Right. Exactly. So so now that I know that, it makes me even sadder that like it was. I think it was only released in this deluxe hardcover, and it's all sold out now. The uh, um, Dark King. That's right. But you know what? Yeah. It's great because there's a. I think it's special exactly as it is because it's something that my dad and I, you know, some of those stories we did together, and so mm -hmm. that will live together always, and it will always be this special, unique thing that we have. Mm -hmm. And you know, family is really important to me, and I think being able to memorialize the work that we did in that way is really great. And most people seem to like that aspect of the work. And I think, yeah. um, you know, they find it sort of endearing. And, and I hear so often like, oh, you know, I, I loved working with my dad on the farm or I loved going to the, the doctor's office and work with my dad. And then I hear other people say like, I don't know how you work with your dad. I would kill my dad. You know, so it's like, <laughs> it's funny, the different <laughs> sides, but people, no matter yeah. which side they're coming from, they appreciate it. Mm. And and that's really special because it's, you know, you want to think that you're, you're doing this for, for people to read and connect with. And, and it's important to me that people also understand that, you know, the most important thing I think for the Lansdales is the family aspect of it. And then everything mm. else is, is a bonus. Well, that's great. You guys are, no, you guys are like my favorite family. That's not my family. I'm just going to say it. I already said it in the last episode with Keith, though. You guys are just the coolest. Um, I love that. And, you know, reading your story in uh, in Death Realm Spirits, which is called The Disappeared, um, I would say that you definitely have your own voice in this. I, I, I would not, you know, I've read a lot more of your dad, um, but I would not at all say that you just sound like you're, you know, a copy of him or trying to 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 do that or anything like no this is a very this is a very different voice that just happens to be in a sort of similar genre that he probably you know would write in he would probably write he might write a similar story but he wouldn't write it like you did you know i mean this was um this was a very very good story um i do really want to get to it um before before we do though we just one more thing uh so I, I did just want to touch upon Impossible Monsters. I think that that's a, a great collection. Um, so 2012, uh, Ooh, this, you, yeah. you already mentioned it. Yeah, already. <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> uh, you, edited this, this, you edited this, and you said it was your first editing gig. Mm -hmm. uh, it was for Subterranean Press. Impossible Monsters included stories by some incredible, incredible people, really, really talented authors like David, David J. Chow, Charlene Harris, Neil Gaiman, and of course your dad, uh, his own self, your dad, his own self. Um, I got to say this, this book still has one of my favorite covers, like of all time. Like, oh yeah. Tim this, Sherman did the cover. Oh my God. It's just, it's, it's an impossible monster. The thing's got like okay. a mouth where his, where his groin would be like, what is this impossible monster? I'm like, <laughs> but he's so cool. He's just so badass. Um, so yeah, I just, if we could before diving into death realm uh how did this project come about how did you end up getting your first editing gig well yeah i don't remember why we were in touch but this and again this is over 10 years ago so right not having the ins and outs anymore but and, and you and you you know you do have the band-aid on 
So yeah, it's okay. that's right. I'm I'm okay. shot it up, and, and it's been a decade. So work. <laughs> I, for some reason, I was interacting with Bill Schaefer over at Subterranean, and he asked, do you want to do this? I think my brother and dad had done a, a collection or or were going to do a collection, and he just asked me, and, a, and I said yes, because that's mm, my thing. That's what you do. And I had never done it before, but I thought like, all right. So and then I asked dad, I said, sure, I'd love to do it, Bill. And then I called dad, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, just get good writers, and that's, and that's all you got to worry about. And I did. And, and, you know, Scal, you mentioned his story is maybe my favorite in there. It, it kind of changes, but he's always got such a cool, weird, unique take. And uh, uh, Bloaters by Neil Barrett Jr. is so bizarre. And Neil was like an uncle to me, and I miss him dearly. And he's one of those people that the audience either really got what he was doing or they really did not. And this story, it was fascinating for me to see the reviews, but I think it it may be my other favorite. And it, that was it. It was just it was a chance to work with people that I loved, yeah, um, and and that I I had known in most cases since childhood. Uh, you know, when I met Neil Gaiman for the first time, I was fourteen or fifteen, and we were at a convention called AggieCon, and I was running the the book table, and so I was selling some of my dad's products. And of course, this guy comes over and he says, hey, can you, is your dad here? No. Can you tell him Neil came by? And I was like, sure, whatever. And he's like, you know, Neil Gaiman. And I was like, cool, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Like he was waiting for you to be started. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know who Neil Gaiman is. I don't know what you're like expecting. A few years later, and I'm like, um, hey, Neil, uh, do you think you could uh, write this story for me? Because uh, I get it now. <laughs> you know? So and generous and said yes that's amazing i didn't know that so i was actually wondering and i was going to ask is uh so this was this was the first appearance of that story which is click clack the rattle bag right. um which he has you know it I, I feel like that story has really made the rounds it's been in a lot of things since i've seen it at least two other places um also i got to see him in person over the summer and uh, or the spring and he read that aloud which was amazing. just amazing oh, it was just a cool. treat that well, you know what he said, I'll do it, but can it be short? And I said, it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, well, that appears in, uh, I think it's, I think it's his collection trigger warning. I believe uh, that that one's in. Um, and um, but obviously that was after this. And uh, he does have a little write up of like the creation of each story, which I thought was just a, such a fascinating thing to do as a, as an author to do for your collection. That's such a great idea. Um, oh, and uh, he said he wrote that at a friend's house, um, and it's the only thing he's ever written that disturbed him. Wow! Uh, holy that's what it says, yeah. That's so cool. he did that for y'all. That's right. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> that's um, funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he was very nice and very generous. And um, Anne Perry has a story in there. Anne, you know, she passed not long ago, but Anne was a dear friend of mine for twenty years, and so yeah. it's like. The so many of the people in there mean something to me in in a a really deep way. It's not just authors mm -hmm. that I asked. It's like these are my people, and mm -hmm. the people that I've known since I was very young. And uh, it's really special. And I don't know that if I did another one, I think it would be great. And maybe I would look back in a decade and feel the same way. But mm -hmm. I think it would be hard to top that. It's hard to top the first moment, you know. No, sure. It's a, it's a, it's a good collection and, um, oh, it's a great collection, but it, more importantly than that, it's, it's, you're just 
you know, talking about art touching people, right? Like that's essentially what it is. And collaborative art, you guys, you know, there's a there's a different feeling when you collaborate on somebody to make something. Well, it, and you it, know what's just, funny? The the story in there by my dad is a Dana Roberts story, and that later became the terror is our business world. Before, oh, long before wow. my character oh. made an appearance. So like wow. it came full, full circle in in so many ways. And I have I in weird ways owe a lot to that anthology. Wow, that's so cool. So Impossible Monsters is easier to come by than Darkin. So that is available everywhere for not a lot of money at all. Um, very, very oh, worthwhile collection. <laughs> What's that? I should buy some. I only have like two copies. Yeah, yeah, buy some more and uh, hawk them out. Hawk that's right. <laughs> um, okay, Death Realm Spirits. Let's do it. Uh, so this just came out, um, I think, two weeks ago. This is a book. Uh, this is the reason why you're on tonight. I reached out to you. You, you know, the, all the authors have been sharing pictures of themselves holding up their uh, contributor copies. And uh, the funny thing is, I just it just is this weird thing that I know like a large amount of the people in the table of contents. So this was a a book I was personally really really hotly anticipating. Um, uh, I mean, there are, there are people that live n close to me, uh, like Eric Nunnally is a great guy. Tony, Tony Trembley, I know them both incredibly well. And uh, Larry Blamire is a, is a good friend, um, you know, and there's, there's a number of others that are, you know, you know, people I've met at Nikon and interacted with. And Maurice Brodus, I just met this year uh, for the first time. And he was just a, a, a wonderful guy. Cool. Um, I... I'm just so stoked about this table of contents, Casey. So like you're part of it and you were, you know, you posted your picture. So I was just like, Hey, how's it going? Um, and now you're on the show and that's the magic of the internet. So sometimes, sometimes folks, it's sometimes the internet's good for is, is used for things, not, not evil things. That's all I'm saying. Um, so this was put together by, um, by, Mar uh, Stephen Mark Rainey, right? He, he was the one who kind of called everybody together. Shortwave Publishing, I believe, is his uh, company. And uh, yeah, tell us about it. How did you get the call for this one? Like, what what was the uh, what was the genesis of your involvement here? Okay, so I had a little run of about I don't know half a dozen short stories, kind of back to back to back. And Stephen Mark had asked, I think it was Dad and I did one for him called Mister Cricket. And uh, which was a bizarre, weird, fun little um, story set in Los Angeles. And uh, it just, I don't know, it was fun and we did it. And then we turned it in and he said, I, I think I'm also going to be doing this other project. Would you like to write a story for it? Awesome. And I said, yes, and um, turned it in. And he said, yeah, we like it. We'll take it. And that's it. So it kind of was on the heels of turning in another project and I think I got the other project because he had written dad and asked dad to do it, but dad didn't have time. And I said, well, if you want to collab, you know, we can do that. And that, that kind of helps for his timing and then helps me get, you know, more, uh, more kind of saturated in the world. So it just, all the pieces of the puzzle came together. Right. Very cool. Um, 
so I'm I'm sorry. I'm just mm. I lost my place in the notes. Um, so your story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm usually better than this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You deserve better, Casey. Um, so your story is no, honestly. I can show you the the band aid that I have. Uh, it's uh, no. <laughs> Um, your story is called the disappeared as I, as I've mentioned. So I, I really love the story. got to say, um, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but, um, it is a ghost story. Uh, but it's one of those ghost stories uh, where the ghosts aren't really the point. Um, right. it sort of reminded me of something like, you know, like Crimson Peak or I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the orphanage. Yes. That's fun. Um, the orphanage is my favorite a haunted house movie of all time so i mean it's, I, I love this kind of stuff like you know it's it's it window dressing the monsters are window dressing they're not necessarily the whole point of it and what you've done is you've written um a really compelling mystery with two young girls and um like i said i'm not going to give anything away but the the last two pages gutted me casey i don't know like i don't feel like i deserved that but thanks. I'm gonna have to go back and look now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something really like something like the epilogue, like like whoa. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So no, it's it's a it's a great story. Um, and it 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 feels um, well, like how do I say this? Like there there's a lot of chapter breaks in the story. Mm -hmm. And they really feel like chapters. I mean, they they're just you know it's condensed, it's smaller. I mean the the page the the page count on this is, I think it's twelve full pages, and uh, and everything. But the way that you've done it, like it does it does feel like something that could have been longer, or that could even you know be revisited or something like that and expanded upon. I also think it's really filmable. Um, just saying, I don't know yeah. if anybody out there is there saying, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it won't be me filming it, but I'm just saying as a <laughs> as a impartial third party. Um, really good stuff. Uh, yeah. So that's me gushing about your story. Um, that's really nice. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And uh, if you would like uh, to to read, if you're still already, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I was I just finished. Um, not long ago, my first novel, and I was writing it simultaneous to writing this. So I think I was sort of in that long form mode. Yeah. I think that that, that did trickle out and I was sort of feeling like, oh God, there's so much more here, but I got to lock it in or they're going to kill me <laughs> because the word count is going way over. I mean, you know, you know, honestly, I think, I think a lot of the time the bet, you know, just joking about the adaptation, but I'm not really joking. I mean, I do think it would work really well and I, I think the uh the proof is in the pudding with certain like you know certain king stories i always think the the best ones are based on short stories the novels are too dense it's impossible to 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 really translate nobody's happy um i love you know for your dad i love uh baba hotep so incredibly much and that is a short story that is not a long story and the, basically you know coscarelli filmed every single scene like basically every word in that you know, the one thing color. we never thought would get, get when my dad turned that in, he's like, well, there, that'll never get filmed. And of course, <laughs> the very first thing that ever got made was the most <laughs> unlikely. And we were like, okay, well, never say never. Here we go. <laughs> uh, I know it's, it's crazy that that story, uh, it has a, a, an incredible amount of heart. And I think that that is what Coscarelli probably keyed in on. Um, Cause I think, 
with the exception of his phantasms, he 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 tends to have heart in his stuff. Yeah. And um I I I I enjoy Don Coscarelli a lot. Um I, I think he did a great job with that. Well, and um, I think that's a real, you know, not not to make it all about that too long, but I do think that that's a testament of how society views the old. And, oh, and at yeah. that time, I know my grandmother was in a nursing home and my father was kind of processing all that. And mm. you know, there's I that story, for all its goofy, you know, sort of campy essence, that story breaks my heart because I know mm. what was happening. And, and I see so much of, of my even though it's a, you know, it's a rest home and it's a mummy and it's all these things that are so far removed from anything. It's also really close because all of the things that my dad grew up with, you know, John Kennedy, Elvis dealing with aging parents, all of these things that we all have to deal with at some point, you know, the important markers of our lives, our families aging, all of that is in there and, and able to be done in a, sort of humorous and horrific way to to deal with it. And I think that's a really special thing that Don was able to capture. Absolutely. Uh, I, every single thing that you just said, I have said to so many people um, because it's it's my defense of this movie. And I said this, I said this to your brother when he was on how, um, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially like, it's, it's like an allegory, but only half of it is, truly an allegory like there's right. the mummy is the stand-in for the actual awful stuff that happens that right. nobody wants to believe their elderly parent about you right. know oh my my they're, they're stealing my medication or right. oh you know they're hurting me or something like that right so in in that story all that stuff has become a mummy that sucks people's souls out of their assholes okay <laughs> naturally way, way to go joe um but the other half of it of the family going uh yeah okay dad sure whatever you say or okay mr half yeah you used to be elvis all that stuff that is just actual true truth that is honest and i think that there is just there just are not there there aren't a lot of stories that make me feel the way that one does and it's for the same reasons that you said so um good stuff um but yeah to to back to your story, um, you you know this this story really you know in the same sort of a way, I think could be very filmable. So if you would like to uh, do a little reading, we can get right into it, and I will mute myself and I'll just shut up and let you go. All right. Well, and just FYI, my friend and neighbor Crystal that I grew up with, it was fun to send her a shot of this and say, hey. You're in the book, you know. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Also, if you want to read this in an Aboriginal accent, we won't hold it against you. All right, I'm going to get right on that. Um... Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, here we go. The disappeared. Crack of thunder, spark of lightning, and then the skies opened and the rain came down in sheets. I pumped my little legs hard, working overtime to catch Crystal already halfway up the big hill at the end of our road. Wait up. She looked back over her shoulder, bright, dyed red hair plastered across her brown face with sweat and rain. Hurry up, Eve. Then I watched her bike crest the hill and disappear. The air was full and sticky and the trees on either side of us vibrated from the wind. Thunder rolled as the rain poured from the darkened sky like a round of applause. The trailhead was just beyond this hill where the blacktop turned into gravel and the gravel turned into red clay dirt. 
Crystal and I had spent a lot of time out there, especially in the summers when the days were long and the idea of going outside to play was still in favor. We had a secret spot back in the woods that wasn't all that secret, a sinkhole where the creek ran off and made a cavern of sorts underground. We'd go fishing or swimming, hunt crawdads, or just hang out and talk about nothing in particular. Crystal said that when she was my age, all the kids in the neighborhood used to go back there to play until it was made off limits by the landowner after some kid had drowned. Crystal always tried to act like she was grown, but she was only a year or so older than me. I'd heard the rumors at school, but the story and the no trespassing sign did little to deter us. By the time I got to the top of the hill at the end of the road, Crystal's bike was already propped up against a tree near the entrance to the woods. A car sped by as I placed my bike on top of hers for going the kickstand like she had. Water splashed up from the wheels of the bright red Corvette and into my face, causing me to cough and gag. Slow down, shithead! But they couldn't hear me. Probably best. A few steps inside the tree line and I could see the crack in the distance, the water sloshing up against the gravel shore. I wandered into the woods and called out her name, even though I knew she wasn't far ahead. It grew darker from the trees that kept us sheltered from the brunt of the sudden storm. A hot breeze rustled through the leaves and limb and shook them something awful. They rattled and swayed, flinging water droplets from their edges like a shaken dog, and then they were still. I didn't mind the rain. It kept the mosquitoes at bay. I zigzagged my way across thick roots and through damp cobwebs until I finally saw Crystal stop, leaning against an old pine tree up ahead. When I caught up to her, she turned and grinned, her white teeth luminescent against her sable skin. You good? Crystal asked. Would hate to lose you next. I was thinking the same thing. We walked a few more minutes through the maze of underbrush until we reached the water. The rain had blown through, but the steam from the heat had started to rise and wrap around us. The bugs were coming back in force, ravaging my exposed skin. Crystal stripped down to her underwear, seemingly untouched by anything. She tossed her pants across a tree branch nearby and shed the rest in a snake-like trail as she jogged towards the slippery bank. I followed a few steps behind, scooping up thick mud and smearing it down my arms to act as a barrier like I'd heard the Indians did. At the water's edge, Crystal eased her way across the slick, mossy rocks until she reached the rim of the underwater cavern. The water was dark green with not much to see beyond a few leaves floating across its surface. She looked over at me, made sure I was watching, took in a deep breath, closed her eyes tight, then jumped. Water splashed my already rain-soaked body as she disappeared into the dark. Bubbles floated up towards the surface and the leaves danced across the ripples for a moment. Then things were still. My eyes stayed fixed on the depths of that water as I waited for Crystal to resurface. I waited and waited. Then I waited a little more. Enough time had passed that I was getting awful damned uncomfortable. I just squatted down closer to the water to see if I could make something out when I felt a tap on the back of my head. Startled, I toppled over into the water, splashing and thrashing, fighting to stay above its surface. When I looked up, treading water now, there was Crystal, staring down at me and laughing with glee. Way she was grinning, you'd have thought it was all her birthdays and Christmas rolled into one. You're an asshole, I said between coughs. Don't be a weenie. 
I used my arms for leverage, slipping a few times on the thick moss until I managed my way up and onto the damp clay rocks. I lay there, the stream of water running over my body as I caught my breath. You scared the dog shit out of me, I said. Come on now, it's funny if you think about it. I thought about it. It was a little funny. I peeled myself up to standing, squeezed some water out of my long hair, and walked over next to her. How'd you do that, anyway? Was out here the other day, she said. Just me, messing around, and you know what? Some tunnels in there. You keep going down in that little cave, it comes out the other side. Just there. My eyes followed her finger to the dark spot beyond a fallen tree. Well, I got that, genius, but why would you do that in the first place? And alone at that. Crystal shrugged. I guess I wanted to know how that kid could have drowned. Didn't make sense. Drop-off's not that deep, but if they got stuck under the surface or sucked into one of those little pockets down there, didn't make it over to the other side in time, well, yeah, I said. Yeah, she said. Anyway, I was just having fun with you. You mad? Little, I said, but I'll get over it. For the next half hour, we took turns swimming out over the sinkhole, treading water and the like, but often not to go under to the other side. Crystal was a great swimmer, and in another life, she could have done something with it. By now, the sun had dipped low enough that Mama would be waiting for me at the door when I arrived home. There was a plopping sound, and we turned to see a water moccasin had slithered into the water. It didn't take long for Crystal and me to be out of there and onto our feet, far away from that snake. We heard a sound in the distance across the water. Someone was laughing. A girl. A thin smear of pale skin against the dark brown of the tree trunks. Her foot propped up on a rotting stump like a pirate who'd spotted land. She was somewhere around our age, older than me, I figured, and younger than Crystal. That would put her around 13. She wore a long, black rain slicker with the hood pulled back and shiny, tall, black rain boots. Her long, black hair hung in a low, loose ponytail. I didn't recognize her from the neighborhood, but that didn't mean much. The trailer park at the far end of the road had provided a regular rotation of occupants throughout the years. Fingers spread wide, the girl raised her hand in a wave. I smiled and waved back at her. What's your name? I said. She didn't answer. Instead, her wave grew faster and more frantic. What's her deal? Crystal said quietly. I shrugged my shoulders and tried again. What's your name? Still nothing. Instead, she turned and in one fluid motion disappeared back in the woods from where she'd come. That was weird as shit, Crystal said. You know her? I shook my head from left to right. Maybe she's from the park up there. If she is, that's news to me. We stood there contemplating, the snake now far from our minds. It wasn't like she'd been unfriendly. She'd waved after all. Hell, maybe she was deaf. Whatever the case, it was time to get home. You want me to keep going? I mean, <clears throat> if you'd like to, you can keep going. I mean, I got nowhere to be. My my listeners got nowhere to be. <laughs> it's really <laughs> you're doing great. It's up to you. I'll take one one more uh, place until we break. Okay. It's fun to revisit it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> once home and cleaned up, I sat around the table with Mama and Gary, my stepdaddy, and my little brother Billy. We ate a good dinner Mama had prepared and made small talk about our day against the backdrop of the radio. I had a mouthful of mac and cheese when Gary shushed us all, went over and turned up the sound of the radio DJ's voice. 
This weekend, expect severe scattered thunderstorms across the southeast. And in local news, still no sign of Timothy Daniels reported missing since last Thursday. Isn't that Derek's boy? Mama asked. Yeah, Gary said. It's been all over the news of late. Derek didn't show up for work again today. Mama made a clicking sound with her tongue. Shane, first the Reynolds girl, now this. And Nelson's boy. She swiveled her body towards me as though about to tell me something. Took a deep sigh, then turned back towards her plate. Turn that off, would you? Mama asked. Gary plodded back over to the radio and turned the dial all the way down until we heard the subtle click. In other news, Mama said, a little too cheerfully, Gary and I have been invited to the Lewis's Luau up the road, and this year, we've decided to go. Eve, you're old enough now to be home alone and watch Billy for us, aren't you? I groaned. A night at home with my little brother, on a weekend no less, whose idea of a good time was eating boogers he piled atop a fire truck did not strike me as how I wanted to spend my evening. Not that I had great plans otherwise. We anticipated that might be your response, Mama said. So to sweeten the deal, Gary and I have decided to let you rent up to five scary movies this weekend. Now she had me. That meant the whole Halloween series would finally be at my disposal for back-to-back -back viewing. Fine, I said. Secretly, I was thrilled. All right now, Gary said. It's getting late. Finish up so we can all get to bed. And then that's the break. <laughs> all right, sounds good. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I love, I love, oh, man. I love the Halloween stuff. Like that's just so fun for like, you know, that that's, that's like when the author lets you know that they're as cool as you think they are. They're like, you're like, Oh, Oh no, no. Really secretly. All we want to do is like go stay at home and like watch five horror movies in a row. Like that's, that's really all any of us want to do. Casey. I mean, that's like, that's like really like all any of us need to do in life. Um, that's really funny. I have to ask you about the boogers on top of the fire truck. That is so specific. Was that Keith? <laughs> Tell me that no, was Keith. I'm going to be honest. I wish I could say it was and throw him right under the bus. That'd be I, great. I don't remember where it came from. I think somebody had said something about their kid or, you know, I, it's just, you just absorb stuff and then it just <laughs> in the, the crevices of your brain. And it's so specific. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. Um, no, that, that, uh, that was a great reading. Thank you so much for, for delivering that. I love, um, I, I have to say you didn't obviously get there and this doesn't really spoil anything at all, but the, the, the opening lines and the, the closing lines are the same. And I love when stories are bookended like that. And you, you came up with a very poetic opening and closing crack of thunder, spark of lightning. And then the skies opened and the rain came down in sheets. It's really, really it's a musical couple of sentences. I really like it. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. That was really yeah. And really I would awesome. love to just read the whole story, but I want people to to yes, a little taste, and then maybe they'll <laughs> that's right. You got to go buy <laughs> the book. <laughs> yeah. So that's Death Realm Spirits, and uh, you can find that on Amazon or at your local bookseller which would be a much better option just just ask them to order you some death realm spirits whatever whatever local bookshop you enjoy we like to support the local folks they need they need your help 
more than Amazon does. Um, so I wanted to ask you also about, because this is something that you've been um, posting about lately, and I don't really know much about this. I was I was learning some stuff before the interview, but the case of the bleeding wall. Mm. Um, so these are comics that you are adapting based on, uh, ad adapting an old story of yours, right? right. This That's is... is our business world. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So the character Dana in that comic is the character that was in the Impossible oh, cool. Monsters anthology. So, you know, it all kind of ties Neat. together. Yeah. Neat. Very cool. And this was like, because um, I did find a a book of The Case of the Bleeding Wall, and it was like, is this, so was that like a novella? Okay, so The Case of the Bleeding Wall, the book, I have to remember, because I feel like we've done a lot of different things with these guys. Case of the Bleeding Wall was a novella that we put out through Subterranean Press, and it was the first time that dad and I collaborated together in this universe. Okay. So he had his established character, Dana, and I brought in my character, Jana. And we didn't know they were going to be in the same world or we'd have named them better. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and it was, and we sort of realized who they were and who they were together. I would love to go back and have an opportunity to write the first one again now that we know them. Mm -hmm. But it was really the the breakdown of who are they how do they work together? And and how did my father and I work together? You know, and we realized we have to um, most importantly write the same story mm -hmm. because, you know, when you collaborate, you might go off on your own tangent and realize that that's not where you were going. So I think that was like the blueprint of all the work we were going to do after that. Mm. So it's also special <clears throat> in that way. And then nice. it became that we'd get asked to write a story and we would write it in that universe. So there's a lot of Dana Jana. And then we decided to explore the world of comics and we adapted specifically, we adapted the case of the bleeding wall, but we, it changed from the original story because now after a decade, who they are to us and how they interact with each other has changed. So it's kind of fun because we did get the do over chance, but in mm. comic. Very cool. So is this, is this your first time working in comics or no? I wrote two comics that never got published. And, and this is the first time I wrote a comic that got published. So uh, uh, officially, no, unofficially, yes. Okay. And that's Dead Sky has been really great. Uh, super easy to work with. Um, just, you know, really love, love the nerdum, you know, and, uh, and it's fun. <laughs> like you're talking about, it's just, it's fun to kind of connect and realize like, the people that are around you that just want the same things as you or enjoy the same things as you. And that's really what we're all doing, right? We're just yeah. trying to find our tribe. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, very cool. So two issues are out right now. There's two more to come. Mm -hmm. um, so guys, if you're interested in horror comics and you liked, you like what you've heard tonight with Casey, please check out the case of the bleeding wall. And, uh, you know, instead of going to your local uh, bookseller, go to lo your local comic shop and have them order you some copies and, uh, you know, tell them to buy some extras because they're going to need it. Well, right? the first two issues sold out and they're doing a reissue in January. So it's really super important for people to go in and say, we want three and four. And that way, when the next reissue comes out, they they support it um, based gotcha. on that enthusiasm so thank you for for mentioning it because yeah it's it's a really cool project that we're proud of 
<clears throat> I really love the artwork too. It, it it has that like sort of watercolor uh, aesthetic to it. That's and um, Annie Sarah's amazing artist. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm interested. I, I would love to pick this up. Um, I, I sort of get just from the name. It makes me think of the the house with a clock and its walls. Like, so this, is this uh, young adult sort of a thing? I mean. I don't know what your viewership here is, but as long as the um, as long as foul language is not offensive to their delicate sensibilities, <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on you know, like, is it who who are their parents? Like, is it you and I as as young adults? Then the answer is yes. Well, I'm I'm not. never not going to be a young adult. I don't yeah, so have any desire to go past that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, no, uh, we. Uh, our our retroids, as we call our fans, they they are familiar with the naughty language. They we we do it copiously on the show. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually been a pretty clean evening. You know, there's you know been what? a couple it's been assholes, but do. it's been all I could do. I was like, I don't know what the viewership is. I'm a lot. Oh shit! Yeah, no, you can majors. you can fucking let it loose, Casey. <laughs> Jesus, you know it's probably gonna let you make you feel better too. Anyway, you still got that band aid on. I mean, come on. I'm just, I'm just when we hang up this call, I'm just gonna go into a complete cuss fit just to get it all out. <laughs> yeah, you can do it now if you want. Um, so all right, before you know, we're we're. At an hour now about let me let me ask this and we can close with this um we always try to bring things back to retro things and nostalgic things things that we loved as kids and i think the perfect question i can ask you uh based on what you just read us so if you were uh babysitting some kid and you were of the age as the the girl in that story um who doesn't have a name Right, like you, you didn't name the main character. It's just I. Well, it's I. I let Crystal call her Eve twice. Oh, she. Oh, okay. So she, she's because I have a bad habit of never knowing their name until the like I, I do that. That's kind of like an accidental thing, and so I try to make a point of introducing the character up front because I've been alerted that that's a a thing I do. So, so I think I'm tangenting myself now, which is what I always do anyway. So I'm saying it like it's a weird thing, but it's not a weird thing. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I actually do the opposite because so, so I, I'm always like names, names, names. And so when I read something like that or like fight club, you know, right. where it's like, wait a minute, is it, the main yeah. character's got a name <laughs> for sure. It does. I just don't remember it. What is it? And and I'm going back and I'm looking and it's like, uh, there's no name here. It's just, I am Jack's subconscious. Um, so she is Eve. So, um, what, so in her, in her shoes being forced, you know, just, just forced, very grumpy about it to watch your little brother who, what, what five movies are you going to rent back in those days? Like what, what, what are you going for? Are you going to go for horror or? Um, oh gosh, you, you know, think? at that time, well, you know, at that time, Scream was like the, the big guy, the okay. first Scream, you know, so I imagine Scream would have come up, um, Exorcist probably would have come up because my, my friend Crystal, who the character is based on, she loved the Exorcist. So anytime that she'd stay over, we'd watch that. Um, God, you know, I, I would always get a, a nice revisit of the Wizard of Oz because that hits all the highlights for oh, me. Oh, so we're just we're just going cross genre. Yeah, There's I don't no think theme. I would say only, and I think I'd probably do like 
half scary and then half not because I'd probably freak myself out. And we lived in the woods and my the house I grew up in had really tall two-story glass windows. Okay. So it was, you know, and the it was surrounded by trees. And so anytime the wind blew, the trees were like scraping against the glass. And um, so I would do a couple scary movies and then I'd scare myself and then be like, okay, I need something not scary. <laughs> <laughs> So that, right, that's three safe ones. Um, God, it's so hard to to go back then. But then I'd probably, yeah, probably something like a monster, like a Dracula or a um, or a werewolf. You know, so like a, a classic. Yeah, nice. Or, or even like a, a um, like a the Blob or those kinds of things that you know we would always go watch as a kid. So, but I, I definitely would toss in a minimum of one upbeat because. I had a pretty um, active imagination was like, this is it. We're all yeah. going down. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, my parents would never rent anything scary. So um, I was I was always, I've talked about this on the show a lot, but I was always fascinated by the horror section and really, really, really wanted to rent like everything. And I definitely gravitated towards the werewolf stuff. Yeah. So I know that if... In a perfect world, if I was able to like, you know, go back in time and I was, I had leverage, there was leverage involved, like in that story. And I could oh, like I okay. rent anything, like maybe not anything, anything, but like to a point, I think, I think I would probably choose everything that I was not able to rent previously from the horror section. So, I mean, I'm thinking like, uh, I'm probably going to go like Nightbreed. I'm probably mm. going to go uh, Night of the Demons. I'm probably going to go, <laughs> let's see. Um, the, oh, The Howling. Yeah. I mean, absolutely The Howling. And then I would ask for The Howling too because it had the sexier cover, but I'm eight years old, so there's no way I'm getting, even with leverage, there's no way I'm getting. And that's, that's a bullet that I would have dodged because that movie, despite Christopher Lee, is garbage. So let's see. All right. So what else can we go? Um, um, I mean, I mean, probably something like, I mean, so I'm trying to think of like a good vampire. Like, I mean, Fright Night is one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. I, I probably would have rented Fright Night and, uh, let's, let's, I'll do what you did and I'll, I'll end on a not scary movie. I'm going to go Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Princess Bride is just, that was, that was my, that was my fave movie of all time when I was a kid, like, you know say the whole thing could recite the whole thing also chris sarandon so a little bit of a chris sarandon twofer with uh with fright night that's pretty cool well you know what i'd probably if we're if we're doing that so i watched basically everything my dad watched and then my mom was like please don't let her watch that and then my mom would go to bed and then i'd sneak up and dad would be like come on in <laughs> and, then, oh, nice. and then you know like an hour later i'm in bed with them and my mom's like you let her watch it didn't you you know <laughs> and i'm like yeah but we would often watch like a butch cassidy sundance kid or, or sherlock mm -hmm. holmes smarter brother those kind of things too but he he definitely um did not abide by the rules but i think they were just like you know what just stay off drugs and you can watch what you want. Like at a certain point, mm -hmm. it was like this is not the hill we're here to die on. Oh Just yeah, act right as best you can, and don't don't do bad things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know we were always the same way with my daughter too. Um, I mean, the older one 
didn't really she didn't want to watch scary stuff she was afraid of goosebumps she was terrified of uh the dummy <laughs> she was terrified of uh what was the slappy yeah, the yeah, slappy. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, she I was yeah the older movie. one who's who's 24 now she she was terrified of that doll so um she was never like big but the younger one was like always kind of like sneaking over to like around like age six seven she was sneaking over to like the dvds and mm. just kind of like looking like the same thing that i used to do in the video store yeah um and i remember this one day she was like you know did this kind of like you know sweet like little sing-songy like she's rocking and she's like um you know can 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 we watch a movie that we have and it's like um <laughs> okay sure and then she's like uh could it be a scary one <laughs> and this is like one of my favorite memories of all time i'm sharing with you right now i love it and and it's we're like sure what well, one and then like i can picture her adorable face as she like was like guiltily like 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 going <laughs> over to it and she she plucks out the stuff do you know the stuff no you don't know the stuff i do know the stuff okay i'm surprised with myself okay so it's 80s it's amazing 80s cheese that you have to see it's uh michael moriarty is the star and uh larry cohen's the director i believe and uh, they work together a lot and uh it is a movie that is a really effective send-up of commercialism in the same way that robocop really was um only it's the whole point so basically quick elevator pitch is <clears throat> these people find some white stuff bubbling out of the earth and one guy's like what's that and the other guy's like i don't know and then he like well you should taste it because that's what you would do in that situation <laughs> so the guy like uh you know dips his finger and he's like wow this is quite delicious and then they're like we should sell it and so that's what they do and and this they call it the stuff and the stuff becomes the new hit sensation and it's the new taste treat but they never say what it is and um eventually the more of the stuff that you eat casey you get you you turn into a stuffy which is basically it, it's basically like living yogurt that's really what it is you're like, like it's a, man. Is that <laughs> right essentially it like when you eat it you're it's not passing through your digestive tract or anything it's just filling you up and eventually you're full of so much of it that you it takes you over oh my god i'm i this i missed it i missed yeah it. no it's a good one it's a good okay. one it's it's funny and it's i mean especially if you like uh, like cheesy movies yeah. if that's your bag i like roadhouse um, <laughs> i mean roadhouse is awesome roadhouse roadhouse is just straight up awesome okay we had a whole episode on roadhouse we had a whole episode with author chris philbrook and he's like i have a man crush on every man in this movie and we are that's all i want to talk about we, we do a whole episode on roadhouse i'm like sure chris whatever you say but um anyway so i don't know it well you know what else and it makes me think just the things in the ground i used to love tremors yeah i love tremors reba yeah. mcintyre was in there and reba yeah. was my favorite singer and her coming in, <laughs> i was like oh my god this is everything that i love here's yeah as we call her we call her reber we got reber we got the <laughs> giant worms we got just like you know chaos it, that that was a highlight for me so we got the dad from family ties 
God, it's so funny. I, you know, I'm, you don't think about this stuff for a long time, but the stuff I don't know, or if well, I know, I have long forgotten. One. I'm going to do a it, deep dive Google. So it's a good one, and uh, it's it's pretty easy to find. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere, but well, it was okay, just really. What did your daughter think? See, right. So she loved it. She oh, was right. not scared okay. at all. She legitimately loved it. And a uh, follow-up story to this is um, I took her to, I do a lot of cons uh, as an author. So I'm, I'm at cons a lot, whatever, mm -hmm. but she, um, she doesn't, she's usually not. And I mean, especially now she's just not interested, but you know, there was a time where she was like, you know, kind of interested in like, you know, she would come sometimes whatever, but there was this one con that, um, <clears throat> Uh, D. Snyder was going to be there, who's the singer of Twisted Sister. And she also loved Twisted Sister songs. So I'm like, okay, you got to come. We got to meet D. Snyder together. And um, so we went and we met D. Snyder. And it was amazing. It was, uh, it was really, really cool. It was also on Father's Day. It was the best Father's Day ever. Aww. And, but sidebar, we're walking outside. I'm like, oh, I have to get something from the car. You know, she, so she's coming with me. There's a freaking lady dressed up as a tub of the stuff <laughs> walking in and it was the greatest thing of all time she was she was so great she was just literally like her head and arms sticking out of basically like a carton amazing and she had a giant spoon and she was the stuff and like we we got our picture with her and it was just the greatest thing. I'm like, oh my God, this the is this is the top. greatest moment of oh, like our my entire life has led to this moment. Right. And and now she like probably doesn't even remember it. She'll be like, uh, what are you talking about, Dad? Like, <laughs> no. And I'm like, this was the greatest thing that ever happened, though. Uh, so no, funny. she she loved that movie. Um so yeah, we we sort of same sort of thing. Like we didn't shelter her. Um there were there were a few that we said no, probably not, but um, there was there was a lot that we said yes to, and there was I I I gotta say there was only a couple of times that she was really scared, and um, remember when that movie uh, it wasn't that long ago, uh, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, the mm. movie yeah, yeah. came out. So at that point, she was probably like twelve. She wasn't little, little. Mm -hmm. um, something like that and um we went to see it and she was excited for it and she had the books which you know i had too when i was little mm -hmm. and um she was so terrified oh. throughout the whole movie because there's like um like four or so set pieces that you know because they they string the different stories together i mean there's the spiders on the cheek which is gross but she was fine with that but like more like the you know, like the zombie lady who was looking for her toe and and then the the lady who's the, I can't remember what she was called. I think she's just the pale lady or something. She's this creepy like like fat lady that's in like uh, <clears throat> in the hospital scene and she's uh, she like absorbs that kid. Um, she couldn't look at that. She couldn't she was like hiding her face the whole oh, time. Wow. like she never did this, right? And um, so I felt kind of bad, you know, I really thought that you she ruined her. <laughs> so here's the good part. Here's the good part. When we got home, like she was, she was scared, but then a couple of days later, she asked if we could go see it again. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Now and she's it's like, <laughs> right, that's right. So I'm like, are you sure? And she, she's like, very seriously. She's like, 
yeah yeah i am like she was hell-bent to like watch more of the movie and she did that and that second time she admitted she still hid her eyes with that the the toe lady yeah and you don't really see her for more than a second really she's like unfortunately they they did this incredible makeup for her you can see behind the scenes but they sort of just relegated her to a big jump scare and you don't really see her too much and it's a it's a shame because the makeup was like unbelievably fantastic and looked exactly like the original artwork but um but she did so much better the second time and then we watched it we bought it um you know when it came out and so anyway that was that was just like such a proud horror parent moment because it's like hell yeah you know i mean like what yeah like she's she didn't let it beat her she's awesome so that's so fun pretty fun so you have two daughters yes yes that's fun yeah, two daughters, twenty-four and uh, almost fifteen. So she is, oh. she is, yeah, we're getting there. Um, man. But anyway, since we're talking about family, just real quick, I did, I did want to say congratulations. You're going on your your honeymoon next week, so we. Yes, thank you. You said no, I want to do it this week because next week I'm gone. So yeah, I wanted I wanted congratulations. to congratulations to you and 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 be able to you know kind of button that up and and, and you cool. know, meet you because it's nice. You know, we interact in a general we. We interact with so many people online, and yes. it's nice to put a face and a name, and yep. and have a little connection, and learn more about each other. So, thank you for reaching out, and you know, inviting. oh, absolutely. Um, I'm honestly thank you so much for coming coming on the show. It's been really fun to talk to you and get to know you a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, it's same. You know, it's this it's this weird thing where you know social media has has opened these doors, but you know, it's it's also sort of turned us all into like these weird creepos because it's like you know, like I don't know, you you somebody sends you a friend request and you're saying yes and I don't know whatever, and then it's like you sort of see their posts for years and you're like, I don't know this person, but I kind of like them. (laughs) Like the algorithms are making me feel like a creepo. Um, But anyway, so thanks. um, Thank you very much for coming on. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell our listeners about where they can find your stuff or a website or buy your music or anything like that? Uh, I think all of those things, you know, you can, my website is, is pretty, uh, full of everything and there's links to my socials and like we've talked about we can just be uh friends on social media who don't interact with each other so <laughs> come find me so that we can not talk to one another <laughs> yeah find casey and be a creepo That's just right. like i did yay yay um all right thank you so much so i will let you out of the brig so watch your step as you're thank you. you're emerging back into the sunlight of sunny California. Actually, I don't know if it's still sunny there. Yeah, it probably is, right? We're, we're at sunset right now. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, we are at cold, bleak um, Massachusetts night. Um, yes. But hey, that's, that's how we go. So I'm going to take us out. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. That wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you've enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you liked what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook. As well as being part of the Inebriart Pod- Podcast Network, Retro Redoctopus is a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows, like Epic Tales from the Sewers with Justin Cooper, Throat on Thursday, Let's Not with Michelle and Sam, That Strange Show, Shark Bites, ah, oh, there's like 30 something shows on the network it's lots of fun you'll definitely find something you like for more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows 
please visit thedorkening.com and be sure to check out our killer sponsor, Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I have been your host, not All Hallows Steve, but it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here. Good night, everybody. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com. I saw a video of Christopher Golden singing uh, Walking in Memphis that he said yeah. he was he was bullied into singing by you and Amber Benson. 100%. Yeah, I will bully him into singing at any point in time I can. <laughs>